Hey, welcome to Biohacking with Brittany, a podcast focused on holistic health, nutrition, biohacking, and more. I'm your host, Brittany Ford, registered holistic nutritionist and self-proclaimed biohacker. During the last 10 years, I've focused on healing my gut and hormonal issues through lifestyle changes, nutrition, and of course, biohacks. And now I teach others to do the same. I'm so excited you're joining me today. So let's dive right in. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. I am so excited you are here. Um, This is a really cool episode, and I probably say that about every episode, but this one is one of my favorites because we're talking about gut health, and if you follow me on social media um, or anywhere else, you know that I love gut health, and I think it's very fundamental uh, to our longevity and to a lot of other issues that we deal with, um, health issues. So, It's really, really cool to go deep into gut health today um, with Wade Lightheart, which was such a pleasure to talk to. He is a wealth of knowledge. Um, He is one of the founders of Bio Optimizers, which is a supplement company that specializes in um, basically digestion and some other things, but a lot of digestive enzymes, a lot of probiotics um, and those types of products. And I've used their products and I I use them every day now and they're fantastic. Honestly, they have made such a difference for my digestion, especially if I eat something that I don't necessarily love or doesn't necessarily agree with me, um, like lactose or gluten or those types of things. Um, I usually take their digestive enzymes at least once a day, probably two or three per, per meal. Um, And yeah, and they also have some other amazing products. Like their magnesium is one of the best ones in the world. Um, It's super complex and super broad, um, which is very new for a magnesium product. Um, And yeah, so we kind of get into this in the show and I'm excited to talk about it. But yeah, so we have Wade with us today and he is an author, an athlete, a nutritionist, and basically just an expert on fixing digestion. Um, as I said earlier, he's one of the co-founders and president. He is the president at uh, BioOptimizers, and he is a three-time Canadian national all-natural bodybuilding champion, which is very impressive, and we definitely talk about. Um, and yeah, it's it's an interesting episode. So definitely listen, um, stay until the end, and let me know what you think. As always, screenshot it. Uh, if you listen to this, tag me in it. And I will repost you. Um, same with tag bio optimizers. Um, they'll be linked in the show notes. And you can repost them as well. And if you're interested in trying out some digestive enzymes or probiotics or a magnesium um, and some other things that they have, um, I have a discount code. It's Biohacking Brittany. Feel free to use it. It gets you a certain percentage off. And that's really great because we all could use a little help with our digestion. Um, even myself, who's someone who is very, very aware of digestion. Uh, and yeah, so definitely, definitely check that out. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. And as I said previously, uh, in my other episodes, if you have somebody you would like to see on here, um, feel free to connect us like through email or whatever medium works for you. Um, I'm always looking for new guests and always looking to talk about topics I haven't talked about yet. Um, So I'm definitely open and happy to reach out, happy to have any feedback from the show as well. And yeah, to really build it into something cool. So enjoy today. And yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. And you're an all-natural bodybuilding champion. Like how, how, and how is that even possible to be all-natural and successfully do that and be vegetarian as well? You know, I've always been a contrarian um, by nature. And that's, you know, that created a whole litany of challenges going through school. Um, And once I escaped out of the uh, gravitas of the educational institutions, I found that much of what I really was passionate about was physiology and learning from my own body and training and things like that. Because I got into bodybuilding as a teenager when I was living in a rural area and had nothing else to do. So I trained in my barn. And when I got done my university career, I found I had a lot of information 
but no unified field. And that was the problem with the specialization within our educational systems is that there was all these compartments of health, but no real general overall rule. So I started to look at health and, you know, I've kind of refined that process now, but basically like most people, I was attracted to aesthetics. There's three basic branches of, I think the fitness and health community and performance community, and that's aesthetics, performance, and health. And most of us are attracted by aesthetics. We want to be more sexually attractive to the opposite sex. It's, you know, every fitness magazine, every fashion magazine, every cosmetics grand, like cars. I mean, everything is kind of based on that, particularly when you're young. And I fell into that, saw the bodybuilding magazines and saw these hyper-masculine males with these hyper-feminine females. And I was like, wow, maybe I could get girls like that too. That was my 15, <laughs> you know, that was my 15-year-old out of, out of my mind with testosterone idea. Yeah. And, and uh, so I took up weight training and I kept on uh, through university and eventually led to personal training, opened up a, a natural, uh, like a little juice bar in Vancouver and I was personal training and just, just loved, worked at every area of the fitness industry, managed gyms yeah. and ran supplement stores, was a sponsor athlete. But I always love to lift. I love to train. I love the internal process. For me, bodybuilding was always much as much of an art as a sport. It was instead of like, you know, slapping clay that you'd make a sculpture. It was like you were working on your own self. And, and, um, and it was also a way to kind of channel the natural, you know, masculine aggression that I think I just had. And I think sports serve a great tool for that. And if I wasn't like going crazy out of my mind on a set of squats, well, I'd probably driving my car too fast or just doing something stupid, partying or whatever. So like it was, it was the most positive channel I could for my natural tendencies, I guess. (laughs) And I got disenchanted with the sport in 1998 when I went to my first national championships because it, it essentially had become a drug cult and not to disparage anyone who chooses to go that route. But I recognized at that time, you know, I was, I remember sitting with my coach, I'm like 230 pounds and I'm, I'm five, eight on a real good day. Um, and, and, you know, I'd done all my blood work and all stuff. And then my, you know, my, my trainer was like, well, if you want to go to the next level, you, you're going to have to do, you know, X, Y, and Z as far as the, the drugs and the steroids are just one part of that. There was a whole host of things. And I just looked at the current athletes out there and I was like, you know, am I really going to beat Ronnie Coleman? No, I don't have the genetics to beat Ronnie Coleman. Like, so what am I doing here? And so I left the sport, but I was passionate about it. And I got into meditation. I went on a little wild streak and then I got into meditation um, and in that I read from my spiritual teacher that if something didn't create it for you, if something wasn't in existence for you, it would be created for you. If you were following a quote unquote, a righteous path, practicing the eightfold path of yoga, yama and yama and, you know, asana and uh, pranayama, all that sort of stuff. I was like, okay, well, let's just put this to the test. I always wanted to go to the Mr. Universe contest and by all means, that's not possible based on my current decisions. And I had also read a book about being, uh, using a plant-based diet to accelerate meditation that was written by my spiritual teacher's teacher. And I said, okay, I'll give that a try. So I did that. And then I decided, well, how about I go to the Mr. Universe contest as a vegetarian with no drugs? And that would really say that this meditation and spiritual work was working. So I set about that path and Ironically enough, two years later, I was standing on stage at the Mr. Universe in Mumbai, India, of all places. And so it happened. So uh, that's basically it. And from that point, that led to a collapse in my health, <laughs> which was, was began the foundation of my company. So every, every achievement lies the seeds of failure and every failure lies the seeds of success. And I think one of the benefits of, of yoga in its philosophical form applied to life is that you can, you take the highs and the lows with kind of a a equanimity with a, with a balanced approach. And I've learned that over my years in both of those disciplines. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I also love that quote that you just said, I'm going to have to write that down and remind myself of that. Um, so it sounds like you've like pivoted quite a bit within your career in your, like, of course you've stayed in the health and fitness world. Um, but you have pivoted quite a bit. And so 
what was kind of like the catalyst to kind of switch to digestion and like gut health? Well, when I was attempting to become, um, you know, a national champion in bodybuilding uh, without, without eating meat and, and going to a world championship level, uh, there was no, this was in 2003. So this was like, you know, this just after they got past writing on stone tablets and, uh, <laughs> there was no information. There was no plant-based protein. Not, there was nothing. And it was like, okay, well, let's try and figure this out. And so what I was applying was quote unquote, a meat eating mentality to a high performance diet because nobody had done this before. And I can remember my coach, Scott Abel, who was one of the world's best coaches as far as physique performance cosmetic fitness, I would call it. And that is, you look a certain way. And I was like, he's like, I don't know if we can do this, but I'll give you everything. And so we, we basically did a hybrid of using like whey protein as my only source. So I wasn't a vegan at that point. I was a vegetarian just using whey protein as my only protein source. And I ate a lot of whey protein during the preparation of the two years it took me to go from making that decision to actually get in the Mr. Universe. And the last one was 11 months on a very restricted diet. And I had three contests to do. And you normally don't stay in that kind of condition for that length of time. It's very, very hard on your body. It's hard on your nervous system. My joints hurt, my brain hurt, my body was lethargic. It was, it was, it was li a literal living hell to look like that for that extended period of time. And after the contest I gained, so I went to the Mr. Universe and then I gained 42 pounds of fat and water in 11 weeks. Wow. Uh, it, yeah. So I went from Mr. Universe to Mr. Marshmallow. <laughs> oh my gosh. And as you could imagine, here I am 16 years in the industry. I'm training the who's who of clients in, yeah. in Vancouver, Canada, and I've got, you know, a following of people and blah, 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 all that stuff. And here I am, I'm an absolute physical disaster. And I met up with Dr. O'Brien at the time, and he was this medical doctor in his seventies and he'd helped all these people recover from these, you know, horrific diseases. And he was the picture of vitality. He was in his seventies. He had his clear skin and he was so vibrant and so energized. And I looked at this guy and I'm like, God, well, this guy knows something I don't. So I, I, when I went to his lecture, he, he's, I said to him, I said, Dr. Michael, what am I doing wrong? I've, I've got the best coach. I've got all the discipline. I'm following it. It wasn't because of lack of effort. Mm. And he said to me something that changed my life. He said, Wade, you've learned to build the body from the outside in. I'm going to teach you how to build a body from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that just hit me. And so he started teaching me about, we're not what you eat, you're what you digest, absorb, and utilize. And in order to do that, you needed things like enzymes and probiotics, and you needed to clean out the plaque inside your intestinal tract and all the goop and the toxins out of your system. So I went on his high-level amounts of enzymes and probiotics and minerals. And I went on a completely raw food diet and did all these kind of crazy things. And, you know, in six months time, I not only recaptured my physique, but I had a level of health and vitality that was truly extraordinary. And at the same time, I started coaching other people with my um, co-founder of Bioptimizers, Matt Gallant. He was also a personal trainer and he went through the process and he met with great physical transformation, even though we had opposing dietary strategies. It was like, wow, this is a really breakthrough. And uh, we started coaching clients all around the world to kind of avoid the mistakes that I had, that, that led me to such a terrible place. And we coached, I think, 15,000 people over the course of four years. And wow. we, got a, we got a lot of clinical data from that information, from, you know, experiential realities and developed a series of programs. And I ended up going back to them world championships in 2007 on very short order and won a couple national gems with the back, didn't have the weight gain, didn't have the energy problems, didn't have any of the issues, uh, did better at the world championships. And then I was like, okay, now I can start teaching this to a broader group of people. And, and so I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. It's quite the journey, Hey, it is, it is. Yeah. So over, so now obviously you've been in the digestion space for quite a while. Um, and, you know, you have your bio-optimizers company that's doing so well with your fantastic products, which I have tried most of them and I love them. Um, so I'm just curious, like in the past, 
decade or so, what type of like trends have you seen emerge in the digestion and gut health space? Because like you're almost such an OG in this area that I really wonder what it what it was like, you know, when you were first starting out. You know, this is a great question and it's something that's it's it's so difficult for a lot of people who are entering into the health, fitness and performance fields to fully comprehend even medical practitioners, because the challenges, and I've done an extensive historical, um, I would say, sleuthing, if you will. (laughs) And I can say this, at the turn of the century in the United States, in 1900, that is, the U.S. Congress was meeting because of the degradation of protein in the wheat content of food. At that time, wheat was approximately 90% protein, if you can believe it. And today, it'd be less than 7%. Wow. That was in the 1900s. But in the 1940s, the world changed after World War II because of the unintended, what I call the unintended consequences of, of technological innovation. You see, the war ended using nit- uh, nuclear bombs instead of nitrogen bombs. And there's a huge stockpile of nitrogen bombs. The baby booner explosion happened. And governments around the world started to scramble because we couldn't, and people were moving to the city and products were being distributed around the world, which they weren't, and technology and TV and radio and all this stuff was going on. And so what happened is they're like, oh my goodness, there's all these people being born. What are we going to do? How are we going to feed them all? And so they started to put together these large government agricultural boards that that uh, started to promote agricultural uh, monoculture farming mandates and subsidizing those foods for farmers. And so farmers stopped rotating their crops. They started making big factory farms. Um, then they needed to increase the yield. So they came up with an idea of they could use the leftover nitrogen from all the bombs that weren't you know, used anymore because they were irrelevant. They put that on the soil. That started to further destroy the yield of protein, minerals, vitamins, enzymes, probiotics. Uh, Bugs started to attack the plants because a lot of the proteins were the defense mechanisms of the immune system of plants like it is for people. And they started to develop herbicides and pesticides and fungicides, which interestingly enough, interrupt the enzymatic activity of bugs. And that's how it kills them because you need enzymes from everything from thinking to blinking. And we started ingesting that. And of course, uh, with processing, packaging, and distribution, we started to add dyes and preservatives to food to extend shelf life for profit margins. And all of that led to uh, happening over generations. So you have a a rapid diminishment of of the nutrients of our food. So for example, a peach in 1955, you'd need to eat 50 plus peaches today get the same nutrients. Protein, carbs, and fats are not nutrients. Those are macronutrients, not the micros, all the things that we need, the other functions that they kind of brush over in most of our medical and nutritional training. And, and ultimately, you pass this on generationally with all of these elements that disrupt normal digestion absorption. You change the food structure. You add a whole bunch of chemicals and additives and other foods. And then you had uh, the commercially produced kind of you know, powders and products and potions and pills and stuff like that of varying degrees of quality with all sorts of questionable ingredients. And then on top of that, you had 25,000 chemicals. And now you have 12% of the emergency hospital visits on any given day are people who are suffering from gastrointestinal related illnesses. Hmm. So it's really a question that's happened in 70 years. And we're at a tipping point because What's happening is people who are younger and younger are developing diseases that were particularly arose or, or associated with people who were, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old are now happening in children and teenagers and young adults. Hormone disruption, eating disorders, dysfunction, inability to, to develop neurotransmitters. And so all of the diseases of, I would say, society oftentimes can be traced to our inability to digest, absorb, and utilize our food. And I ran into this trouble by following, quote unquote, a performance-based diet that was contributing to aesthetics, but which allowed me to achieve my cosmetic goal for a period of time, which I think there's a lot of pressure today on people to meet these goals because of social media and the influence Mm -hmm. of you know, all of that and how it affects our psyche and the demands of our own value and identity and 
you know, sexuality and attractiveness and all those things that, you know, are particularly drivers in, in, in the younger population, but also to a, a, a varying degree in as older person. And we compromise our health for it. That's even if you have the attention on it. So ultimately you get to a point in your life where you move past aesthetics and you're just worried about your health. I want to be healthy. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be dysfunction. Um, and somewhere in between, there's a, usually some sort of performance parameter. You know, you got three jobs and two offline businesses and a relationship to maintain and maybe kids or something. And it's like, oh my God, how do I keep all of it? So you're, you're, you're looking at whatever you need to do to kind of keep yourself going in a demanding pace of the world. So all of that to say, this is ca causing and disrupting an incredible amount of degree of stress, not to imagine, not to mention electromagnetic radiation and blue light in its way of disrupting our natural circadian rhythms. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that it's, it's a lot. And, um, I relate to it because I've had gut health issues since I was 16 and mm. had really bad symptoms and it took so long to even realize it was a gut health digestion issue. Um, because you know, that was 10, 11 years ago, no one really even knew about it, or I didn't really know where to turn or who to talk to about it. Cause you know, my, my traditional doctor up here in Canada didn't really believe what I was saying, but anyway, um, yeah. So in terms of like understanding all of this now and going with this information and realizing the state of the food that we're eating and the state of the stress that we're exposed to. I mean, even now with COVID, it's probably even worse. Um, like, what are we supposed to do about it? Like, where are we supposed to go from here? It's a beautiful question. And it's so good that you're asking it because the reality is, I think one of the things that's really important for anyone listening to this is, is you cannot outsource your health. And outsourcing is such a topic uh, in everything. And how do we, you know, how do we outsource? How do we scale? How do we, you know, systematize? All, all these kind of concepts exist as part of the psychological programming, I, I think, of a technologically advanced society, which are driven by the information age or the digital age. And the reality is we have made a fundamental mistake in the associations with the authorities in our life. And that is most people think that it's the doctor's job to keep you healthy. That's dangerous assumption. Number one, dangerous assumption. Number two is that I can eat a balanced diet and get everything that I need. Mm. <laughs> okay. And I'll listen to, you know, government sponsored authorities that'll do that. And so what's happened is we've entered into an education information network that has put way too much pressure on medical doctors. First and foremost, they are not trained in nutrition. They're not trained in these areas. They get a few credit hours that are optional in those things, which are the basic stuff, much of which has been influenced by specialty interest groups. And I'm not putting doctors down. I mean, the bottom line is the doctor's job is to keep you alive when you've made poor choices that led you to a condition or circumstance, whether that's genetics, whether that's your environment, whether you went in a car accident, whatever that situation is, the job, they do a good job at keeping you alive in that moment. However, much of the mitigations that they're applying have uh, further damage further considerations or contraindications to your life moving forward. And so they, their job is to just give you another treatment, another drug, another chemical to deal with whatever comes up in that moment. They're, they're not experts in lifestyle. They're not experts in dietary uh, procedures or diet or exercise or fitness because, you know, you know, in the last seven years, we've had to do this thing called exercise and fitness that used to be historically just living. You know, you people at the turn of the century, uh, the average recommendation from the World Health, uh, World Health Organization was 20 miles of walking a day. That was the health wow. recommendation. Most people walked 13 to 20 miles a day. Um, you'd be a, a, a social media sensation if you were doing that nowadays. Yeah. You know, I'm the 20 mile a day club. Wow, that guy's yeah. crazy, right? That was just everybody just living before. So, and you know, the physical requirements living in a rural area without power, 
or without cars and vehicles and, and you know, so the world was very, very different. And, and our physiological bodies, which are, have, have evolved over billions of years, have not adapted to this rapid explosion in technological advancement. And these people who we are outsourcing our health to are just stop gaps to a, a, an overwhelming sea. And they don't have the time. They don't have the expertise um, to really help you. And so what happens when you go inside that model their only job is to try to get you to the next appointment or get you through the next thing. They, they don't treat cures. They treat the symptoms of disease. That's in the New England Journal of Medicine. And so first and foremost, we have to take responsibility for our health. Second thing, we got to find an authority that has produced the result that you wanted and is associated with the lifestyle that you choose to live. And number three, we have to, we have to fully recognize that whatever our condition in life is, Whatever the circumstances, external, internal, whatever the quote unquote sources of the distress is, there's only one person that is going to get you out and that's you. And in order to do that, you are going to have to find someone to help coach you out of it. Otherwise you could be wandering in the wilderness of, of what ifs for the rest of your life. Mm. And I think that's very, very critical for people to have. You, 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 you cannot not invest in your health, because sooner or later, it's going to compromise every single area of your life. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you sound like me when I'm talking to my friends and family. Um, I mean, it's one thing to say these types of things to people who've had health issues. Um, and it's a completely different thing when you are talking to a millennial or a Gen Z or, and you know, they are 18 and just you know, by genetically, and they're just young and healthy, right? Um, And to try and explain to them, like, why you need to take responsibility for your health right now, it's kind of like in one ear and out the other. Um, So for those younger people listening, like, would you, what would you say? Or what did you, like, what would you, what do you wish you did differently when you were in their shoes? I had a unique opportunity to disguise this tragedy that I believe changed the course of my life. My sister, who was four years my senior, was diagnosed with cancer when I was 15 years old, and I watched her go through the medical model before she died at the age of 22. So early on in my developmental stage, I was introduced to the concept that your health and your life is not a guarantee, and that was part of the driving motivation of why I was motivated to do that. So what I would share with younger people is go to a place, whether it's a hospital, medical situation setting or whatever, and go down, if you're in Vancouver, just go take a walk down East Hastings. Yeah. (laughs) And go and see what happens when you make poor choices in life. You, you, You cannot get away from the consequences of the choices that you make. And I think in... You know, health is something that is earned. You, you, you may have it for a while. It may be given to you. I like it. Like you, it's kind of like health. You, you kind of earn whatever you were born with and that's what you get. And, but what's interesting, you can climb up out of that by taking actions that will support health. Um, whether you, and I know lots of people in the health industry who had major, major health challenges And those obstacles became the driver and motivation for them to become super health experts and real real people who make a contribution in the world and they have an appreciation for it. So I would say this, I'm not in the convincing business. (laughs) (laughs) And if somebody is, you know, 20 years old and they want to, you know, party all the time and do all their sort of stuff, who am I to tell them they're not going to? I'm going to deal with the people who are ready to take action now. Um, And I am going to inspire people, not by my words, but who I am as a person, how I carry myself, the things that I practice, the health that I, uh, I advocate for myself without saying anything. And eventually, all of those people who were on the fence will come to you through magnetism because they are going to have their, their, their days coming. Mm-hmm. And it might be a minor thing, it might be a major thing or whatever. And if for us, 
it's the best thing that we can do to care about others is to take care of our own house first because by who we are we will attract the people that need and are ready to listen and make a change in their life yeah i love that yeah so true so for the average person listening um who thinks that they might have you know some sort of digestion issue or gut health issue um how can someone really know like how can someone know if their digestion is stronger or weaker like what would you say are the typical things that you see yeah, great question. So a couple of things that I think they're really, really particular in the cosmetics. Generally, if you have skin conditions, almost always there's a, a disbalance in your fat absorption in microbes or your gut biome, the probiotic stuff are off, oftentimes used to antibiotics, high sugar-based diets, chemicalization. If you find that you feel when you have certain meals that you feel like a stone is in your stomach, Chances are that you have some enzymatic issues of being able to break down your food. If you have things like acid reflux or heartburn, um, those things are usually associated with low hydrochloric acids. And then again, if you get all the flus and you're always on medication and you're catching everything, that's usually another issue with the microbiome as well, that you have a disbalance in your micro, in your gut flora. So those three areas are the usual indications. So the other thing is if you're waking up in the morning with bad breath and crusty eyes and you need, you know, a giant Starbucks coffee to get the day going or whatever, chances are that you have undigested proteins in your body or not breaking down your food properly. If you suffer from anxiety and depression, those are usually indication that you're not getting the neurotransmitters to make your brain operate. Again, that's a protein digestion absorption issue, deficiencies in magnesium. Um, and the other thing is if you're not, uh, if you don't have like you're suffering from constipation and, or diarrhea, which are actually correlated, chances are that your diet is not serving. You may have parasites or you could have a disbalance of bacteria or your sleep cycles could be totally twisted and you're radically dehydrated. All of those things to, were, are indications of how it is. And a simple course of, of, of healthy diet, uh, a healthy diet, uh, discipline with the guidance of a qualified professional, you should be able to correct those. And sometimes you need to use some supplementation to get the ball rolling or particularly if you have uh, given deficiencies. Right. So if someone's looking to improve their, their digestion, would that be your first recommendation or where would you have people start if they wanted to start today? Yeah. Well, I got three tests that you can do. So if you get the stone in the stomach feeling, what I would suggest to take two tablespoons of lemon juice after you eat a meal. And if you feel that that doesn't feel stonish, <laughs> so to speak, you probably are deficient in enzymes and would benefit from taking a, a dietary enzyme. And that's pretty common, actually. It's actually more common. A lot of people, what they think is full is actually indigestion. Second thing, if you have heartburn or acid reflux, one of the ways you can tell if you have low or you catch a lot of flus and stuff, you can take um, hydrochloric acid. So you would, what you would do is you take a quarter teaspoon of baking soda, mix it in four to six ounces of water, drink it on an empty stomach. And if you burp within five minutes, you've got good hydrochloric level acid levels. If you don't, you have low hydrochloric acid levels. And then if you're looking at disbalances in microbiome, if you're suffering from yeast infections a lot, or you just don't feel right or have trouble going to the bathroom and stuff like that, then I would suggest doing a Viome test or a gut map. You can get one ordered through your naturopathic doctor if you want and see what's going on um, from your bacteria strains inside your gut. And usually that will reveal a disbalance and will direct you towards a, a high. And again, you always want to go to the highest quality products that you can when you're doing it. Because a lot of people say, well, I tried enzymes, it didn't work. Or I tried probiotics, it didn't work. Well, you didn't really try probiotics. You tried a Me Too product that was poorly made, poorly designed, and may not even had any active ingredients in it. And that's one of my big chagrins with the whole supplement industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, those are great tests and I am definitely going to try them myself <laughs> and I'm sure listeners will, will as well. Um, I have a specific question actually for you that I've thought about many times. Um, so I'm a, I'm a nutritionist and I've taken digestive enzymes on and off 
for various reasons. Um, I'm currently taking your product right now and I found it's very helpful. But I, I wonder, is it possible that if you're taking them with every meal or once a day, that your gut can become reliant on them for digesting food? Great question. So there's a great book called Enzyme Nutrition uh, by Dr. Howell, who's kind of the godfather of the enzyme world. And he also wrote a book, uh, Food Enzymes for Health and Longevity. And keep in mind this, I'll put this in perspective. Mm -hmm. Every species on the planet, except humans, eats their food in a live, fresh, an uncooked situation. And normally when, and this is my issue with how we define what food is. So if I'm a tiger taking down a zebra, I eat the entrails or the enzymes and probiotics are, then I eat the carcass. If I'm a bear, I eat the salmon or I eat the blueberries in a raw state. I get all the enzymatic components. You need enzymes for over 25,000 different chemical reactions in the body. And then if I'm a horse or a cow, I get the same thing. I eat this fresh sprouted grass or whatever. And and get the enzymes and the probiotics would be associated with it. So it is normal and natural for humans to consume food with enzymes and with probiotics. Unfortunately, as I illustrated over the last 70 years, we've developed that most of the food that we ate is devoid of any enzymes and devoid of any probiotics. And Dr. Howell's research back in the 40s determined that he took all these different species of animals and by the third generation of being fed an enzyme uh, deficient diet, the species um, exerted strange sociological behaviors, no, not normal to their species. The second thing was, is they started to develop an accelerated amount of genetic-based diseases. And the third thing was, is they lost the ability to procreate. And he predicted the same things would happen to humans by three generations after World War II. Well, guess what? Here we are. And the population is definitely exerting strange sociological behaviors. Number two, we're not living what would be considered a normal natural lifestyle to what humans have existed throughout all of history. Number two, um, we've seen an extraordinary rise in genetic diseases uh, that does not make biological sense. So there's other factors influencing these mutations. And you just talk to anybody and see the rise in fertility clinics and how much later humans are now having children. And part of that's economics, but the economics are part of this change in sociological structure. So all of that to say is uh, we're right on track for the extermination of the species because we don't consume enzymes and probiotics. So I think that we have to recognize the only way out of a technologically advanced civilization to return back to our normal healthy self is to use the right technology to return ourselves back in that environment. Cause I, I mean, I like a lot of the advances of technology. Yeah. So then it's okay to have digestive enzymes with every meal. hundred percent. I've been doing it uh, now for 17 years straight. Wow. And I, and you know, some of the biggest advocates in the world, if you, 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 you go to guys like Lou Corona has been doing it every day for 45 years and he's the picture of health and vitality. And as is a lot of the experts, whether it's, you know, Victorious Kalvinskas, uh, Gabriel Cousins, uh, David Wolf, all these different people who have been known for generations as, as being advocates of health and vitality and natural living. They, they, guess what? They're all doing it. <laughs> so there's always say success leaves clues. Yeah. So would you say I should be taking them with every meal or is it okay to take them with like my largest meal just once a day? I do it. I do it both. I mean, what I would suggest is experiment. Um, one of the things that I learned early on when I was coaching, being coached by Scott Abel, my bodybuilding coach, and that was to keep a journal. And in that journal, I wasn't just writing down sets and reps and weights and things like that. I was writing the meals that I ate how I felt, levels of hunger, uh, areas of fatigue, muscle soreness, brain concentration, all these like feedback mechanisms that we're aware of, but we needed to write them down. And when you write them down and you review a journal for a couple of weeks, the patterns become extremely obvious. Mm -hmm. And you get out of the cycle of, I don't know what's happening. It's like, no, it's pretty obvious what's happening. Um, I've got a lousy diet. 
I'm not eating at good times. I'm not sleeping properly. And uh, I'm not as healthy as I'm going to. And I'm tracking towards where the average person is, which is compromised health that you will be dependent on uh, prescription medication by the time you're 60 years old. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's so scary <laughs> and so, and so frequent and so like everywhere, you know, in, in society. So yeah, that's good. Like, thank you for answering that because I've thought about that so many times. Um, and so I'm definitely going to take that and keep that in mind moving forward. Well, I think it comes down to, and this is my whole point, and I, I hope one day I'll be able to influence this at a um, kind of a structural level or a political level. And that is that the, the definition that we have for food is very incomplete and that definition because of special interest groups and lack of definition and clarity and not adjustment to current times has left the population with a complete inability to live a healthy lifestyle and that's why you should never compare yourself to averages Mm -hmm. Um, and say, oh, well, your body weight or your body fat level is, is average or it's below average, is, is, but is, is below average really acceptable? The average 30-year-old male today has testosterone levels of a 70-year-old man in the, in, the, in, the, in the 1970s. I don't think that's normal. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And actually, I was going to ask about that. So in terms of like the link between digestion and hormones or fertility in both men and women. Have you seen a lot of research that's linking those two? Well, where we're seeing um, trends at this point, and there's not, there's not an extensive uh, development on that particular topic, but where we are seeing um, correlations is particularly the metabolism of estrogen on estrogenic compounds. Mm-hmm. So the disruption and the excessive use of plastic, I think, uh, as well as the 25,000 or 30,000, I forget what the number is now, of, of man-made chemicals which aren't tested uh, concordantly are leading to the estrogenization of society. And the estrogenization of society, it's mutating um, embryos. So for example, you go, okay, well, you know, we have a this much percentage, X percentage of estrogen because of plastics in our food. Well, that's one thing when you're uh, a 40-year-old man. It's a whole other thing when you're a 15-year-old girl. And it's a whole other thing if you're a 25-year woman who's pregnant with a, with a, a male baby that is now being exposed to 10,000 to 100,000 times the amount of estrogen when that baby is, being, is, is forming in the womb. And that ha- sets off a cascade of dysfunction that often will carry forward in the life uh, of that particular child. And we're seeing this um, across the board. Like when I was a kid, I'll give you an example, right? There, there was maybe one kid in each grade that was overweight. Mm. In my parents' age, it was almost unheard of. And now today, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty common and we've developed all of these kind of masking agents around, oh, we can't talk about people's weight or we can't, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I know kids can be brutal, but the reality is, is it's brutal not to tell people the truth and to mitigate those things in those early ages. So enzymes, what I do do to give that, because I wanted to put context before, because I don't want to be sitting here as an advocate for health and saying, hey, just go take my products and these are going to fix all your problems. That's not the case. They are, you can't, uh, supplement your way out of a bad diet or a bad lifestyle. But what we can say is that there is definite uh, effectiveness in using a, a high quality cultured enzyme product that will enhance uh, liver metabolism, enhance digestion, enhance the removal of toxic waste outside of the body, allowing you to detox from a detox program better, to digest, absorb, and utilize the food that you are eating. And that means you extract more proteins, more vitamins, more minerals, more essential fatty acids out of the food. And you're able to metabolize the chemical agents out of the system much faster than you could if you weren't using these types of products. And so, um, you know, it's, you know, it's 50% diet. I think it's, um, 20 to, to, to 30% uh, 
supplement depending how deep the deficiency of that in individual is. Cause sometimes for some people that supplement's going to make all the difference in the world. Some people it's not as effective. They need to work a little bit more on the lifestyle side. And then I think the other 20 or 30% is tech, but you've got to go hundred percent on all of those to kind of get the full uh, p- potential activated of your, your own health potential. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're seeing a movement towards that, right? Like towards biohacking and towards optimal health. Um, well, that's why the world has, yeah. has people like you, Brittany, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, the bottom line is we have an, uh, an extremely complex world to live in. It's, it's, mm. and it, and it, and it's changing at the speed of thought because it's driven largely in part by computers who can process a lot of information very quickly. And that's driving algorithms and on social media, it's driving the speed of business and transactions and everything else that's going on in life. So in an increasingly complex world, we are developing higher levels of, of speciality as individuals. So therefore, I could be an extraordinarily good computer programmer, or I might be really good at, you know, um, pharma- pharmacology or engineering, but the level of skill that I'm going to require to develop that is going to make it almost impossible for me to understand all the intrications to in order to have my health. And that's why they need coaches. They need people mm-hmm. like yourself to, to bridge that gap because who has the time to figure it all out on their own? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, if you look at a cost benefit ratio, it doesn't make any sense. Unfortunately, a lot of people make these decisions based on emotion or they make these uh, decisions based on avoidance and they have a misvaluation of where they're spending their dollars. And ultimately that will lead them to a very poor situation in life. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, It's a lot. It's a lot of time and effort and money spent into figuring it out. Like even figuring my own health out, like I'm still figuring it out, you know, like it, it takes a lot of time and, and I'm super passionate about health. Like I could only imagine how um, difficult it might be for somebody who isn't and who might not understand it, let alone have a full-time job and a family and all of these other priorities, just like you said. Well, here's the one thing that we do know though, right? Um, three-dimensional reality, which we find ourselves in, is requisite of this protoplasmic case that we call a body. And so the quality and quantity of your life is directly correlated to the functioning capacity of that organism. We call our, we call me. (laughs) And so um, if you don't invest time and money for health, you're going to, you're going to lose a lot more time and a lot more money for disease. Mm. Yep. That's, yeah, it's definitely true. It's definitely the way it ends up happening. Um, and yeah, sadly, it takes some people to have, you know, tough situations with disease or chronic illness or some sort of health scare for them to really wake up to that reality. And you know what? That's okay. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I've learned, and I'm a biggest advocate for health that you could get. I love it. I live it. And I'm always learning and always growing. And I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't think I got it all figured out and I don't think I'm a perfect model or anything like that. I'm just doing the best I can. Well, what I can say is that if someone's out there and they're in the midst of a crisis right now, what they may not realize is this could be the greatest opportunity that opens up a life for them that they never dreamed of before. Because as I've traveled around the world and met essentially the who's who of health, right? All the people that you read about or listen to on podcasts and all that sort of stuff, almost all of them had some, you know, existential crisis related to their health where they said, I've got to make a change. And they do. And the ones that don't, we don't hear about because they're languishing away in some horrific self-imposed physical hell that they've driven themselves into and they're the only ones that can get them out. And that's by making different choices. Yeah. And that sounds harsh, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I I don't, I don't want to candy coat things for people because your health is serious. You, you know, we're all here because of the choices that people made of 10,000 generations before us. And those, many of those choices were very difficult. And there is, you know, there, 
there's trade-offs to every choice. There's trade-offs when you spend your money on health products versus, you know, booze and drugs. There's trade-offs when you invest in spending your time in a gym instead of watching the latest Netflix special. There's trade-offs when you are reading books or downloading podcasts and listening to that instead of the little, the latest political squabble. You have to make choices with your time that are based on foundational values that will allow you to produce the results that you want. And nobody else can do it for you. And nobody's to blame. Nobody's a victim. We are all just there and we've got to suck it up and pick it up and take up the cause wherever you are. And hopefully that's a, that's a case that's worthwhile. I love that. The honest truth <laughs> coming out. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Wade, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, where can people find you and connect with you? Yeah. Where can they go? Well, thank you very much, Brittany. Um, it's been a delight to kind of share with a fellow Vancouverite. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's where my home is. So you can go to, um, bioptimizers.com. And I think we got a little special for your listeners, I believe. Let me just check here. Uh, we do. If you go to biohackingbrittany.com, you can put in biohacking Brittany. I believe you will receive a 10% discount. But what I'm really encouraging people is go over there. We're going to give you a 12 week course uh, called the awesome health course. And it's just the foundational principles that I learned over 30 years in this industry. Check out particularly the videos on enzymes and uh, probiotics. Check out the awesome health philosophy and the bucket theory of nutrition. Those particular four videos. You can find me on social media, podcasting at the awesome health podcast show and all that Facebook and Instagram and all those things. That's so important to everybody today. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm definitely going to check that program out or course out as well <laughs> for myself. Well, thank you very much. It's been great here uh, being here, Brittany. And I want to wish you and your listeners the best of uh, luck and a, and a life of truly health and vitality. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, feel free to screenshot this episode and tag me if you'd like me to respond. I really hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you have a question about your health, my DMs are always open and I'm currently taking new clients. Thanks and see you next time.